I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo. And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors by actors. Brought to you by Book It. Alrighty, we are back with another episode of Before the Break. Tommy, how you doing? Wow, great, 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 and I am so excited about today. Yes, today we are really excited to meet our guest. She's successfully gone from the finance world to the acting world, and in the last few years, she's been a series regular on such shows as The Fix and Champions. She's been a recurring character on The Vampire Diaries and The Exorcist, and she's appeared on NCIS and the following, among... Many others. Good Please lord. Mausam <laughs> Makar. Hi. Hi, guys. So happy to be here. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. All right, Mausam. So uh, you've got this big, big, big story, and it starts a long way from here. You were born in India, correct? Yes, I was born in India. Yes, I was uh, born in India, but I grew up in the Middle East, uh, in mm-hmm. the United Arab Emirates. So, Emirates. So my my mom, my parents, and my brother were already living in India, and they literally went to India. Sorry, already living in the UAE, and they went to India to have me and come back because you can't become a citizen of UAE. You have to be like of UAE Emirati blood, and so I think the only way for me to have any country was for my parents to go back to India and birth me and then and therefore I have a passport. Got it. Okay. And w- when exactly did you come to America then? So I came to the US when I was 12. My brother who's like 8 years older than me came to the US first uh, for college and my dad had two brothers who were already in the US um like who came in the 70s and so they sponsored him for a green card and it took our family 10 years to get a green card wow. and so yeah so um so then as soon as we got uh the green card approved it was kind of a decision on like well what should we do because if you have a green card at least at that time i'm sure things have changed or maybe it hasn't um mm. you had to come to america every year to keep that card active and got it by the time we got it my brother had already gotten into college in the united states and so it was like well do we just move there so that the whole family can be together or just send my brother out and we continue to live in the uae and we visit once a year and they thought it'd be good for me to have you know an american education if i want to go to an american college and everything so family decision moved to the us and i was 12 when i moved and how was Little Mausum? Were it you was, freaking out? Were you so excited? Did you grow I up was, with movies and stuff? So yes, yeah. That... Was, because my brother was twelve, eight years older than me. Yeah, uh, I watched like a lot of American movies and everything, and uh, and then especially that the time like the two years and my brother was already in America and I was in the UA in in UAE. I was just just binging on some American stuff. My family got MTV. I was addicted to MTV. So when my parents said we were moving to the US and I was like, yes, let's go. And they were like, you you miss your friends. And I'll be like, that's fine. I'll make new friends. It's all good. We're going to the USA. MTV Spring Break is there. Are you kidding? <laughs> it's like, come on. It's like Let's Macaulay Culkin. Like, I had a crush on him. I was like, he lives there. That's where I want to be. 
Um, so I was just super, super excited. You have um, Coca-Cola with your cereal. It's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. In, <laughs> and then also in my in my world, it seemed like American kids just always had adventures. Like it was like you left home in the morning, you said, bye, mom, bye, dad. And you went off and did some crazy thing. All the parents said, be home in time for dinner, kids. Sure. And I was like, this is great. You will have adventures. If you're an American child, you will have adventures. So they didn't have like a cell phone with their, yeah, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and you look at you look at movies from the 80s and 90s and other countries, you'd think like, what are these American children <laughs> doing? Right. Goonies? This is so irresponsible. Of these exactly. Parents. It just, it, but it seemed like that was the American life. Like those '80s movies. I was just like, this, this is how American kids live. I'm ready for this. I'm, I'm all down for it. Let's go have adventure. You're like, I can't I, wait till I catch myself in the middle of a montage with the music playing in the background <laughs> right. and all sorts of stuff happening. Stuff yeah. happens exactly. <laughs> I'll like become the swan because I also, when I first, I like the school timing system is different in the UAE. So I was done with school, like my school year in like March and then we went to India for a month to like see family and so then we came to the U.S. like end of May so I had like a really extended summer before I started nice. seventh grade and I turned the TV on I was saved by the bell so I watched every episode of Saved by the Bell and I thought my first day of school was going to be Saved by the Bell this is mid-90s so the outfits were already like not of the time but I think I was inspired by what I saw on Saved by the Bell for like my mm -hmm. first day of school outfit. And I realized when I got to school, I'm like, oh, this is, mm, this is, this is not good. <laughs> this is not how people dress now in the 90s. Um, and where's so, Mr. Yeah. Belding? Yeah. Yes, exactly. So uh, I thought I was Kelly Kapowski, but I think right. I was Screech. So <laughs> that's, that's, that was the truth. Okay, uh, and how did we, how did we how did we come into the um, the performing arts? Was that something that you originally absolutely wanted to do, or was it something that kind of peppered itself in later? It was. I had I had started taking like my mom was always into like dance and music and everything, so I started like Indian classical dance when I was four years old, and Indian classical mm -hmm. like voice lessons when I was like six. So I was already doing a ton of performance, but nothing in the world of like acting. There were really no avenues for it uh, in the Middle East at that time. Again, things might be different now. I remember when I was, so the school that I went to, it was kind of like this, it was like, the, uh, there's a huge Indian population in Abu Dhabi. Um, and, and there's these, these cool international uh, school where a lot of the cool diplomat kids go to. And then there's this, hmm. this sort of the school that everybody else goes to that who isn't Arab. And that's the one I went to. It was just like, all of us Indians in the UAE, along with a few other folks from other countries. And the extracurricular activities, there wasn't much of it. Uh, all the stuff that I was in was stuff that my mom found and put me in, so the voice and the dance. And I remember as a kid, like the seniors or something, because this had kids from kindergarten all the way to 12th grade, so it was like hmm. everybody. Whoa. And I remember at like the assembly one day there was – a bunch of kids who were seniors who put together like a play or a scene. And I was like, this is incredible. What is this? And I was like, I guess I have to be 18 to do it. Like, because that was like the, that was the only time I saw it. And that was the age of the kids that did it. Right. And so when I came to Terre Haute, Indiana, which is where I moved to, um, I joined seventh grade and the summer after, so, so leading into the summer, there was a sign up sheet in my choir class 
for um, the summer production where the high school and junior kids, uh, junior high kids come together to put together the summer production. And then the summer production was South Pacific. And there was like this information about auditioning. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is the thing that I thought I had to be 18 for, but I'm 12 and I'll get to do this. Um, so that was like my first acting thing that I did. So you went to Terre Haute. You guys landed in Terre Haute. I'm from Lafayette, so I'm, oh, you are? I'm south okay. and west of you guys. Yeah, my brother was going to Rose Hallman, um, yeah. which is like a private engineering school in Terre Haute, Indiana. So that's how we ended up there. Um, I see. Because we were like, oh yeah, let's let's go to my where my brother is. Um, and so yeah, and so so that summer production was my first foray into acting, and then I was like, I love this. I love this stuff. So, yes, I mean, within a year of arriving in America, I was I started doing plays and I just loved it. And then I did that every summer. And then when I got to high school, you know, did all the shows and all that stuff. But then I never for some reason and it wasn't my parents. I've never considered making it like a college major Hmm. in my mind. It was always a oh, well, that was great. That was fun. You had such a blast. And now time to get into the real world. Yeah, exactly. It always felt like an extracurricular activity. Never felt like my main thing. So that's why I think when I, even though I loved it all through high school, when I got to college, it was like, okay, well, what other things do I like? Oh, I like all these other things too. Let me just go into that. So So you you went to U of I, stayed in the Midwest. And Mm -hmm. um, so you didn't actually pursue acting in college you you majored um in you got a bs in in finance and you graduated with high honors in yes. three years u of i yes. is a great school by the way it is great it's a great school. school yeah i i i loved it i um it was a good school i mean it was big um i think there were moments where it was like oh it'd be nice to have some individualized attention but right i loved being in sort of like that insulated world like you know college like the world revolves around us it was great. Oh. All right. So, yeah, so in no, college, did did you did you do anything I did, at all? I did. I did. Um, um, so there were you know there was a big South Asian like um, Indian Students Association in on campus, and I wasn't really a part of it. Like my my second year there, I had a friend who wanted to put like a dance uh, dance piece together, and I did that. And so for the third year, I was like, oh, I'd like to do that again. But all the kids that I did it with had already graduated. Um, and I joined up another group, but there was like an opportunity to audition. So every year, part of this piece is like, there's like a little, um, movie that they put together. And so this time I was like, let me audition for this movie and ended up being like, I mean, it's, it's just like this little parody movie. It was kind of like, um, my big fat Greek wedding. It was going to be like my big fat Indian wedding, like a parody Mm -hmm. of that. And I got cast as like the lead in it. So that was literally like my only acting thing I did in college. Um, so, um, yeah, and I and I continued to love it. I was like, oh, this is so fun. I miss doing this, you know, but then it was like, okay, now time to graduate. So, I didn't so you really... were all practical. You were all like, well, yeah, that's fun, but we, we have a trajectory yes. here and we have to be... You're yeah. you're a daughter of immigrants, which means yes, that you ex- need to, you you don't have the luxury of and same with me. My father's from Ireland, my mom's from oh, Canada. And, sure, but with you, I think it was like, no, we're here in this country. This is our chance to do something, and usually. And I don't know if if you got this a lot with your the people in your circle, but 
it, it, there's a lot of pressure, right? Yeah, there was. It was, you know, and and even from the, you know, I'd initially wanted to be, I thought about, I think I'd always had an idea of wanting to do some sort of performance. When I first got to college, I was thinking of doing journalism because I, I think I thought of that. And I specifically wanted to do finance journalism because I think it was a way of marrying the practical, finance, math, things like that, with journalism with like a little bit of TV time and hair and makeup. So I think there was always like there was me always trying to bring in some sort of performance into life um, while still being practical. Um, and when that didn't work, I was at, again at the time I was like, yep, that's fine. That's OK. I don't need to be a journalist. I'm just going to go be a investment banker. So, yeah. But I think after like the umpteenth 90 hour work week and I, you know, come home on a Friday and just cry, mostly because I'm tired, you know, it's just like, I'm crying now. I just need to sleep. I just need to stop crying so I can sleep, you know, and I would like, there'd be so many times I'd be on the phone with like my boyfriend at the time and I just fall asleep because I was just so tired. I couldn't even stay up for anything. Oh. So after a few years of doing that, you just kind of step back and be like, what, what, um, what what am I doing? What what am I doing with my life? I I've been thinking the whole time, like as in the world of finance and what you were talking about with the hours. I'd say there are so many things that you are, as an actor, lucky to have as assets, like those kind of crazy work weeks, yes, and knowing what to do and be smart with money, and mm -hmm. you know, a lot of things yeah. that you know when you go into the arts, you're kind of like, well, you know, I I turned right and. I never really knew how to do this other stuff like, you know, banking and finance and how to be smart about things. And, you know, so now you later go into acting, you have all these kind of uh, tools in your toolbox that must have been big assets for you. Yeah, it was good. And, you know, and I, I've heard from a lot of folks who've gone through you know, the like the professional acting programs where like they never got that type of practical advice in in their schooling. And hopefully that's changing now. But exactly. I can't imagine getting dumped into the real world and not having, you know, not having been taught those things because it's absolutely totally. the responsibility of the school to do that, because how are kids supposed to know what they need to know about all these things? Like I wouldn't have known. And even back then, even though I was in the business world, there were plenty of things that I didn't know about, but at least I was in the world. It was easy for me to find that information because it was around people, constantly around people who were older than me, who was doing that kind of things where I feel like this acting world can be so is solitary because you're kind of doing your own thing. You're a freelancer. Yeah. You're not, you don't have a steady set of coworkers. So I feel like there's so much information that can get easily get passed around in a workplace that doesn't happen for actors. Um, absolutely. I was very, very fortunate that by the time I made the transition into acting, I was like, oh, I kind of know how to do this. I know how to use an Excel spreadsheet and I'll track things and things like that. Right. Yeah. Right. So, so when you got out, when you graduated, you graduated in three years from U, U of I, did you move right up to Chicago? I did. I did. Okay. I um, I started in, uh, at, an, at a boutique investment banking firm right away. Um, and I did that for several years. And I um, sort of the tr the sort of the career path in that world is you do investment banking and you do private equity and then you go to business school and then you either do private equity or business school afterwards. So I stayed in it for four years, uh, one, because I liked who I worked with. I liked what I was doing. But I was fully, fully burned out. So I took some time off in between and decided to travel. And it was it, that 
trip was literally what made me uh, make the switch. I went to, I hiked Mount Kilimanjaro and, um, and yeah, it was amazing. I thought I was going to die. I was not, I was not prepared enough. Um, Yeah, no, there was, and there was just like other pressures I had in my life at that time too. Like, um, because my parents came, you know, like because we were all immigrants, there were pressures on who to marry and things like that. So when I took that trip, I was trying to get away from everybody, like not only my work world, but also my family and my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband. So everything worked out. But like there was a lot of pressures of like what's happening with our future and when are you going to get married to a nice Indian boy and what are you going to do for your life? You know, like where where are you going to apply to business school? And I was like, I don't know the answers to anything. I'm I'm going to go. Yeah. And it was literally I picked a spot where it was like I would have no cell phone reception, no email. And I was like, nobody's going to get a hold of me. This is excellent. So (laughs) I had three weeks of like we did. I did uh, Mount Kilimanjaro and then I did this like camping safari through um, through Tanzania, Serengeti and everything. And uh, I was completely unreachable for three weeks and it was the best thing in my life. And it's what I wow. needed. And okay. I had to, like, I, I was like, literally like, I need to get away. Like, I love all of you, but I cannot hear myself think. And, right. um, and it was on that trip that my campmate was a girl for, who had just graduated from Harvard business school. And I just like prior to this uh, vacation, I had gone to go visit with my all my investment banking coworkers, gone to visit uh, Harvard Business School because one of our friends was there. And I was kind of telling her about like what my, and I'd already lined up my private equity job. So I'd already kind of seen what the next few years of my life was going to be. It was going to be like, oh, I'm going to come back from this trip. I'm going to join private equity. Then I'm going to go to business school. Then I'll go do private equity or business school. And there goes my entire life. But I was thinking, oh, you know, well, maybe after business school, maybe I can find some way back to the art. So I was starting to think, well, maybe if I go to business school, maybe I can get like a film financing job in Hollywood because there was a company that we were looking at at my private equity firm when I was working there. I forget what it was called now, but they they financed movies. They put together financing for movies. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe this is a way I can kind of get closer. Marry the two, just marry like the you two. Did before. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like it was, it was I think I was in the entertainment industry. Exactly. Right. And I think I was always constantly looking for like, how do I do that? How do I how do I bring in some sort of performance or or the world, the industry, entertainment, something into my world? And I that was kind of what I was thinking. And this girl who just graduated from Harvard Business School, who had, was, had come from the nonprofit world, business school, going into the world. She was the only one who was like, mm, that's actually harder to do than you think. And I was like, why? And I was like, well, you have to start interviewing for your first internship within like three months of getting there. You can do it, but most people, if your resume is investment banking and private equity, most of the internship opportunities you're going to get are investment banking and private equity. <sighs> this sounds so exhausting. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, and so you know, and she said it's like a lot of people come, you know, like if you come in from something not, you know, something else, it's easy, maybe easy to kind of jump around. But the job that everybody wants out of business school is investment banking or private equity because it pays the most money, because that means you can get those college like business school right. loans off your back the quickest. Excuse me. <laughs> My flailing you, with my She hands. just gets so worked <laughs> I, up. I did. My I hands. I'm <laughs> I gotta get out. Um, 
She but, said, fuck this mic. <laughs> killed her microphone, by the way. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> it still works. Um, but yeah, so so when I came back, uh, I started to tell like my best friend, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I I can't, I don't, I don't think this is where I can be. Like, I don't think finance is where I need to be, et cetera, et cetera. And um, she was, um, she was just trying to get into like voiceover stuff. And so she was looking at Craigslist for voiceover gigs and she saw a posting um, for prop theater in Chicago. Um, yeah. They were putting together this like new works festival and there was an audition listing um, and it was this Palestinian artist and he was going to be doing stories about Palestine and Israel and kind of people coming together. And so there, he was looking for actors of color. And I was like, yeah, let, let me just try this, you know, because it was like nearby and I put together my resume and it was all high school credits, like mm -hmm. West Side Story and Godspell and like, like just literally things like that. And I had like my one little India night movie that I did. And I was like, mm -hmm. this is the saddest looking resume of an actor, but this is all I have. So I'm just going to go for it. And I like prepared a monologue I found online. I hadn't acted in years and he cast me in it. Thank goodness. And then that was how I was like, Oh, Oh, and then this whole world opened up for me. I'd been living in Chicago for four years and never seen theater or anything because I was working all the time. Wow. And so prop theater was literally like the first theater that I walked into. And then I came home and Googled prop theater and I looked up like bios of actors who'd work there. And then I found other theaters because it was like, oh, and previously this actors worked at this theater, this theater. I was like, what are all these theaters that are here? And it like literally this entire world opened up for me. Um and, that's and that so, was it, how old, how old, uh, how many years out of college was that? So that was four years out of college, four years out gotcha. of college. So I just started private equity. Um, and so, yeah. And then I, and then that's when I tried to kind of do private equity during the day and um, like play readings at night and things like that. So I kind of started to see and started going, seeing shows on the weekend um, just to, I was like, there's a theater, theater scene in Chicago. What is this? So, right, right. yeah, like the whole Has world this always just kind of opened here? up. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was like, people do this for a living. This is crazy. Tell me more. Um, so, yeah, so that's how I learned about it. So very, very late in the process. And okay. so at this point, when you're kind of, you know, that fire is sort of re-sparking, did you look back to your childhood when you were so in love with as a kid, American TV and film, and now you're at this new age and you're like, maybe I want to do that, that I was so in love with as a young immigrant kid and thought of, you know, with America. Was that a yeah, big influence for you at that yeah, time? Yeah, I think so. Because I think there was always a part of me, like, I would get excited whenever there was like anybody even remotely who looked like me, like Indian on TV. And it'd be like, who is that person? What are they doing? How is, you know, it's like, so I think it got to the point where I was like, well, how they're doing that. And I'm doing, could I do that? Like, you know, there was definitely that moment. And then, you know, the, in a, like, I remember like going to see that first show and seeing all these emo, you know, emotions on stage and being like, oh my God, like my heart was like bursting out of my body. Like it was just, I felt so moved by theater and yeah, it all kind of came flooding back because I had, you know, I mean, granted it was like, 
in high school and, you know, junior high, but it was like seeing theater like that. And it all just kind of rushed back because it was, it was, it felt so far away when I was doing finance and it's, um, you have to be a certain way to kind of survive in that world. And I don't think I had any idea all the walls I had put up until I started acting and in particular yeah. did like one show with this amazing group of people that were like the freest human beings ever. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like it was just, it, it like for the several years after it just felt like veils were, veils were being lifted away from my eyes because I didn't realize how much I had to like steal myself to survive in that finance world. Um, yeah, yeah. And you're like, you know, why, uh, why do 90 hours a week and cry when I get home? <laughs> or I could just cry when I'm at work and get <laughs> a lot of money as well. Ex exactly. Yeah, exactly. For you, the tragedy wasn't that you your emotions were deafened and your spirit was thirsty or whatever. It was the fact, it's like the tragic thing is for a person who can't withstand that, for them to continue on that road. You know, right. I'm sure there are tons of your colleagues who couldn't be happier in the job that they have. And you know what? They don't need to get emotional at work, but you know what? You do and your sensitivities to the world. It's so desperate. And it was like whispering at you for so many years. And you had this big, like this duty of like practicality or total risk. Right. And you went, you went with risk. And so, so after a, f a couple of years kind of flirting with that, uh, maybe yes. how, when did, when yes. did things so start, was, sort of start to take hold? I, so for two years or maybe a year and a half, I tried to do like I did second city, uh, the improv program and the writing program on the weekends. Like I was at second city on six hours on Sunday, just from 12 to six, like doing the improv class and the writing class. So I did all that. I think every weekend I was trying to do a student film just to like learn to see what like, so I was on Craigslist gigs all the time and like, oh, they need an actor. Here's my, you know, and then I went and took my headshots, you know, just found somebody online. I was like, oh, they, these guys do actor headshots. And so I kind of did everything that I can do as part-time as possible. Um, and thankfully, again, I met wonderful people. Uh, I was able to do, like a little show, like it was like a monologue show, which felt safe at the time. Cause I was like, if I have to travel for work, then it'll just be those monologues they have to pull out. But I never told them that I might have to travel for work. I just crossed my fingers and be like, oh, if I have to travel for work, I'll maybe I'll just call in sick. And like, it's like, I, I was just constantly worried about like, oh my gosh, I don't have to fly to Utah, like on a whim on Tuesday to look at this company. Like, cause we have performances on Wednesday, you know? So it was just a lot of like, hoping for the best and doing what I can and losing sleep and, you know, working and then trying to do like a rehearsal at night and make sure my work was done and not leaving work too early to get to rehearse. Like there was a lot of that stuff. And so at the two year mark, when my fellow classmates were applying for business schools and things like that, I was like, and I won't. So I just mm. kind of left, um, n did not apply to business school. And at that point, um, I had done like two shows. I had done, you know, went through the whole training program at Second City. So I was like, I think I've met a few people and I had, and I had also gotten an agent. Um, um, again, there was like something on Craigslist. It was uh, at the time it was Encore Talent. Um, so I, think, 
Yeah, I think um, I think they were my first agency yes. when I got there. Did they go under or something? They go yeah, they went yeah. under, but but then uh, Don Gray from there yeah. went on and started her own, and then I ended up joining her as soon as at, I left private equity at Gray. Um, at Gray, yeah, Gray yeah, Town, yeah. yes, Gray, yeah, okay. exactly. Good so, yeah, for you. So, and you know what? People say Craigslist stay away, but back in the day, like back in the day, oh, that was oh, like four the- to oh eight. I mean, I was. Even oh not ten, I was looking at Craigslist uh, along with Actors Access and all that stuff. Yeah, but Craigslist was like it wasn't a place where you just went to get killed. Uh, it yeah, was a place exactly. Where you did get jobs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean it's possible. Maybe I mean, and I, you know, and there were definitely some shady stuff on there too. And I think I did a couple of those shady things. I got Uh-oh. out alive. You know, they're definitely yeah. like, oh, dance for me. And I'm like, oh, this is, All right. this is, this is weird. Um, so it's a small I'm, I'm, camera, webcam. Huh? Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's like, okay. <laughs> I'm going to keep all my clothes on. Yeah. Um, so you get yeah. representation. And then how in Chicago did you start going out for stuff then? Yeah. So um, so that, so by the time, so I left and I got representation with Gray and initially it was all just commercials and things like that and um industrial so i did a bunch of those and i was doing uh plays um and and a lot of black box theater and that one was all just mostly just from oh, i did a show here and then they'd see me in that show and so the plays and everything just came from just like doing shows and meeting directors and so that was all very much just on my own but then uh being with Gray at the time, I was able to do the commercial audition things, things like that, and then, um, and then I ended up doing the school at Steppenwolf, um, mm. which was great for me because that was like sort of my first training. I didn't really have anything before that. It was very much like hodgepodge, like, oh, I need to cry in the scene. Um, well, maybe before this, I'll listen to a really sad song. You know, I didn't really know so how to like. So it was highly like, like intuitive. It was exactly just, you. It's, and did you feel though that you, based on what you have had done to that point, did you feel like you had a little bit of like a kernel of raw talent that you were just kind of banking I'm, on? Yeah, I think I mean I definitely was learning on the job for a lot of it. But yeah, I think I was kind of like, I think I was kind of trying to be as natural as possible type of thing. And like, um, and then, you know, and then I was able to do, and again, you know, like, and I found um, like a coach that I worked with in Chicago, uh, Janet Brooks. um, And I would work with her because I was like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. So I would work with her for every big audition, uh, like any theater audition. Yeah. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't know how to do this stuff. So, so what about yeah. TV? Were you going out for on camera stuff too? No, at that time, nothing. I wasn't no, going okay. out for any of those stuff. Um, cause I think I was still new. I mean, I was still, I, you know, I, I think I was going, I mean, I was going to PR and Claire Simon for commercials. Um, so this was in I'm trying to think what year it was. Um, I, so 2009 was when I kind of started acting full time. And um, I think at the time, maybe what there was Boss or something in Chicago. I don't even yes, remember. Boss, but there wasn't much else. Yeah. Um, so I never went out for Boss. Um, and so and so it was just kind of like the theater thing. And I think working with a coach helped me because like every time I worked with her, I learned like something new, and I was like, oh, that's how yeah. I can do that. So um, that was huge for me. But then School of Steppenwolf finally gave me like a really full breadth of tools of like Meisner and viewpoints and all the stuff that I was like, 
oh, these are all the different things I can do. And like, just, just even the having the vocabulary for half of these things that everybody else knew. And I'd be just like, uh, I'm going to go home and look that up because I don't know what that is. Or I'll talk to <laughs> Janet about it tomorrow. You know, I admire was- your, your, like this inner confidence, this confidence, I guess, not in, in that you could do anything, but more like, well, you'll figure it out. Like it'll, it's not impossible. I can get there. I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'll figure it out. And, and I think the best training that you experienced was like through your, through yourself, like in the wings with Goo Goo Dolls and just trying to get there. (laughs) I think a lot of actors have bad habits, you know, who, who um, have been acting in their community theater and then through their MFA and they've picked up all these hat, but you were a clean slate and you also were just intuitively going organically how a human being would go into the situation. And maybe that's what like led to so many great opportunities for you. You weren't like bogged down with all this unnecessary stuff that actors bring to the table. Um, thank you. I, yeah, maybe I, I truly don't know, but, um, yeah, I think, I think it was, yeah. And maybe it was also, you know, like I wasn't, you know, I had worked in the real world for a few years. So maybe I wasn't like so young, you know, like I wasn't 18 trying to do it. I was like, you know, in my mid twenties when I started doing it and maybe you were also around, around normal people who were actors and learning how to, how normal people, this is how a banker acts. Right. You know, like, so you knew, you knew how to be a normal person. And again, with actors coming out of like their MFA programs, they all know how to act, but they don't know how to act naturally. And like you said, acting naturally is like the thing. It, it sounds like the finance world really gave you an incredible foundation for a work ethic mm. so from everything that you were saying with like the finance world and those crazy hours and just go, 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 go. You sound like a workhorse and you just applied all of that. I want to do something and I'm going to do it. And you got to acting and you just work, 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 work. And you figured it out and we're so intuitive and new. Yeah. You just, yeah. it sounds like you set your aim on something and you will achieve it. Cause every few months we'd have to be the experts on this random ass thing that is like, right. Oh, this company is this and this company is this, and these are the competitors and these are the people who want to buy them. And it's like, your, your, your boss is like, your boss is like, Miles, are you, you good for this meeting? And you're like, yeah, I got my lines down. I'm good. It sounds like acting where you're in a meeting and you're selling it. Yeah. Right. And yeah. Absolutely. It's something that sure you, ju- you know, it's like, just learning your lines, but you're going to perform the shit out of it. You right, know? right. And it's like, well, I just learned about this company or this product or whatever. But when I get into that meeting, you turn it on. Yeah. And, and you, you are the it. expert and you're like, this yep. is, the, you need me. This is, this is, this, I'm the only person who can do this. So I, I agree. Like the, I definitely just transferred the the way I worked in investment banking over to acting, it was like, I don't know this. Let me figure it out. Let me go home. I'll look this up. And I, and, and, and still, even at that age, I was like, I don't need sleep. I, don't, I can sleep next week. I'm going to figure this thing out. So I very much operated under, I can't do that anymore now. I need sleep, um, at least a little bit. Uh, but, um, and, you know, and again, like I had, because I had worked for six years at that time, I had, you know, I had the privilege of having a nest egg that I could spend on coaching and things like that. So all those yeah. things really helped too. Like I was, you know, I didn't, 
And when and then when I quit, I was able to just do that full time because I was like, I've worked for six years. Now I can do acting full time. And that meant I can get coaching and all these things. So I definitely had like that was like another benefit that working in finance helped. Like I I didn't, you know, which is so hard for actors to do. And it's like trying to pay your bills and trying to do this highly irregular job that will ask you yeah. to be here at this time and do this and do that and having to that all is so difficult. And I admire other actors being able to like juggle all that. Like I very much like I worked nonstop for six years and then I was able to fully shift to like focusing on this, um, which I feel very grateful to have the ability to do that because th yeah. that, that helped really too. just being able to be like, okay, I need to get coaching and I can do this because I'm available and et cetera. Actors, listen up. If you're having trouble finding a talent agent, or maybe the rep you have is just not cutting it, you need to check out Agent Genie. You'll get access to over 1,200 triple verified talent agents with active rosters in all major markets who are ready to sign you. Agent Genie is for every actor, regardless of credits or where you live. So all you have to do is download the mailer, write your five-sentence email, sit back, and let the Genie take care of the rest. In only 15 minutes, top agents will be looking at your materials, guaranteed. With their one-click mailer system, the Agent Genie submits to all agents in your desired market instantly, with personally addressed introductions and a built-in tracking report so you know who opened, who clicked, and who is interested in you. Take your acting career to the next level today with Agent Genie. Use the promo code WISH10 for $10 off your purchase. Visit BookItNYC.com to get started today and see why Book It is the number one resource for all working actors. I don't think people really realize like when you're first kind of starting out and getting all your ducks in a row, you know, whether you work in the restaurant industry or whatever, uh, retail or whatever you're your side hustle is just how much money a lot of stuff takes like little yeah. things that you know i think most people wouldn't even realize that we do all the and nowadays you know like all the online subscriptions and you know right. you have a, a headshot photographer that you're like god i would love to work with that photographer but that is a huge chunk of change and it's like do i want to spend that just for pictures, even though right. I know it's so headshot based. And like then it's 10 bucks to put it on the thing. And exactly. then you've got to get like, it printed and all this. It never ends. It never ends. So the fact that, that you had a nest egg was like, it's brilliant. Poverty, poverty is like 90% of exactly. the first five Just years trying of to figure life. that out. Yeah, right, exactly. Right. And I, so, yeah. <laughs> So let's Absolutely. let's sw let's switch gears to on camera things. Mm -hmm. This is a whole other side of your life that really really did explode. And um I mean I don't even where to know where to begin but when things started kind of um rolling your direction with on camera you started to maybe start auditioning and at now uh PR um Claire Simon mm -hmm. in Chicago. When did you start to get a little noticed, get a few bookings, feel like you weren't petrified in the room? What what went on there as the transition and the excitement started to build up with this on-camera stuff? Sure. Um, so I had um, 
So for a while, I was just not getting called in for the TV stuff. So again, I'm trying to think. So 2011 was when I did School Steppenwolf. And I'm trying to, and I think maybe Chicago Code was happening at the time. And I'd never been called in for Chicago mm. Code. And I was kind of like, how do I get called in for this TV film? And I just like nothing, like literally nothing was happening. And I just kind of kept, you know, I kept doing theater and stuff. And I, and I think I just, kept thinking, it's like, well, PR knows me. Like, I go in there for auditions all the time. Claire Simon, I wasn't so sure of. She'd call me in kind of here and there. I was never consistent with that office. Mm -hmm. um, but PR, I was like, man, they know who I am. And so it was kind of like, you know, I got like a little two-line audition for something. And I was like, oh, great. Let me let me do this. And it was just this random thing. And I don't know if I did it well, but I just kind of did it. And it, it started very, very tiny. Like it was like this two line thing, this two line thing, but nothing was hitting, nothing was booking. Um, and then I finally got called in for Chicago Fire. And that was the first time I was getting called in for a TV show. So I'd never gone in for Code. I'd never gone in for Boss. Mm. I'd gone in for like a couple of feature films that was shooting there, like Transformers for like a couple of lines and something else. And then Chicago Fire... Um, I did the initial audition just at Gray. She put me, you know, put me on tape and then send it in. And then I got a call back for it. And that role, I don't know what it was about for that role, but like I, I understood the role. I got the role and the, they seemed to respond to it. Um, but I ended up auditioning for that role like five times because I had, did not have any TV credits. And it was actually kind of like a bigger role. It was three scenes with Taylor Kinney. Uh, and with no TV credits, I think everybody was like, uh, why would we give it to this nobody? And so, like, I and think did I they know that you that Anna was coming back. No. Uh, well, no, I think I think they always knew it was going to be like a two episode thing. So I this think, was important. They couldn't just bring yeah. somebody in who can say the two lines. We're going to well, trust the this thing, person. Though. I, for I a think of weeks. I I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure it was like a budget reason of why they didn't just fly somebody in from L.A. I'm sure it was like they probably had all these expenses. And they were like, we're going to do local it's the first for this season, one. wasn't it? Yeah, yeah exactly. It was the yeah. first first season, you know, so because they could have easily because I've done. You know, and that was a co-star, but it was three scenes. I've done guest stars that are smaller than that co-star. So that's too. when you, yeah, yeah, that's really. when you realize like this co-star guest star name is like, truly a budget thing. Has nothing to do with like the role or anything right. like or how important it is. It's kind of like we have this much money for this role, so it's a co-star. Like that's it's like what it's like, called. Yeah. That's what it. Yeah, like that's what it is. So I don't know. So I'm sure it was a budget thing. Or like, okay, we're gonna have to hire get somebody locally. I ended up having to. Like my, I remember my agent calling me in the, like at 7 p.m. at night. It was like, the heads at NBC need more footage from you. Do you have anything where you look sexy? And I was like, what? Um, no, I have this, like, and, and I'd literally just done a short movie where I played this like manipulative woman. I was like, I have something where I'm manipulative. Like, and I'd done five auditions for them. Like they had right. seen... Me, like the tape, the another tape, then they brought me in again and they, they saw even more women and I was on hold and then they still had me audition again. So I was very confused as to what was happening because it was just like, I don't know how many more times I did the chemistry read with Tyler Kinney and it was like, and it was still like I was on hold and wow. they still were like, I think they were just... We really want to stretch this out for her. Yeah, we really like, want yeah, this to be as stressful as possible. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And oh it was like, and, and I know, and I and I, I know it was my first role, and it was kind of bigger, 
But I was also like, I don't know what more I can do because I've I've read with Tyler. I've been in the room with you guys. Like, and now you want footage of me being sexy. I don't have that. Here's a short film I just did where I manipulated. Like, it was literally me just like, and I, and then. And then I was like, I just wanted it so bad because I, I hadn't done any anything on camera, and this was like my first audition for TV. Um, I think I'd maybe done like a couple, like one line one, but this is the farthest I'd ever gone down on anything. And and I also knew PR was really rooting for me. Like at one point, I was in the bathroom getting ready, um, and I love those people. Like one of them came yeah. and it was like Malzum. We really, we really love you for this. We're gonna, and I was like, oh, oh my god, thank yeah. Like they were just, They're I such like sweet. They sweet are. People the, over I there, mean, right? I, I will credit. Like they've, they've like that opportunity like opened so yeah. much for me. And I. That's will where I always, got my first break too. Those women were like, "You're here for something. Here, say these two lines. Come in this room." And I did. And they just always just believed in me. And yeah, they made, yeah. They, they were, they were awesome. And it's and and it's like so and the fact that, that, that they're that just experience. like yeah, exactly. And the fact that they can just be like. It's like we know you're like you're you're right for this. You're right for this. We're gonna root for you. Like I really felt like I had their support in the room. Yeah. Um, and so then and it was yeah, and it was so that so that was the first one that I booked that was like and and, and it was again because it was like a nice meaty scene. Like I was able to like get my reel right off the bat with that. Like I had three great scenes right away. Um and then I did like a co-star on Betrayal. And then I did, um, I ended up, it was supposed to be this recurring character on the show Sirens. But once mm. it got picked up, they like got rid of my character or whatever. But in, after I did that, I did Betrayal pretty quickly. And then I did Sirens like a few months later. So it all kind of happened. When it did happen, it kind of happened quickly. Uh, Cause it, nothing kind of happened. And then all of a sudden it kind of happened quickly. And that's what, so this was, 2012, end of 2012. And at that time, there was only betrayal and Chicago Fire and Sirens yeah. shooting. So I did all th three of those shows in a span of like six, seven months. And it was like, well, now, now what should I do? By and the way, that never happens. Come on. <laughs> you you yeah, get your was, first TV gig and then you won't see another thing for another two right, years. Right, so, yeah. And anyway. yeah, and yeah, it was it was just like You're it was rolling just this, right now. Yeah, no, thank you. It was I was very grateful to have it all like because it you know, because like when Chicago Code came and Boss came, I never got seen for any right. of those. So it felt very, very far away until mm -hmm. it just happened with Chicago Fire. Because at that point, everyone I knew had at least done a line or two on either of those shows. And I was like, I don't know. I, I didn't even know what I needed to do to get in. So it felt very far away from me. And I, I do think, you know, PR, like believing in me and getting me into the room and, you know, all that really helped me because until then I was, it just felt like this big question mark. I'm like, I have, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to get into the room. Um, but that's, that's what prompted me to move to LA in 2013. So you uh, you did you did a, a nice few episodes a uh, few shows rather in Chicago and did did you then think okay this is for real it is really happening I am good enough to do this it's time to to go even further and yeah, the new I, market was yeah it was it was sort of like a and I didn't wasn't sure how well it would go I kind of tried I tested out the waters kind of pilot season 2013 
And that was, I don't know if it was useless, but it was like, no one knew me. I, I think I went into one room because I was so green. And now I always tell people, don't move somewhere for pilot season. Move mm-hmm. like five months before so they get to right. see you when they're not swamped and have to cast like 20 series regulars in, in like three weeks or something. Um, so that's how I learned, like, don't do that. Um, so I moved there. I was only with Gray Talent Group at the time. And they were great, but it just at that time, they didn't really have a presence there. So I wasn't really able to get into any rooms there. Mm. Uh, now, I mean, now they have an LA office and everything like that. So, uh, but back in 2013, they didn't. So I didn't, I put myself on tape for a couple of things, um, but then didn't, um, it was actually a terrible experience. Like yeah. I left to LA being like, you know, I, I and, and it was totally was like a, Let's just see. And I went out. I only I was only here. I closed a show in Chicago in January 2013 and came out here for like two months um, just to see pilot season. And I think I went to one room uh, every and I did two, maybe three self tapes. So it was a lot of me just being like driving around L.A. Um, (laughs) uh, But I came back to Chicago in March and I was still kind of like I that was terrible, but I don't know what more I can do in Chicago. So mm. it was sort of like me being like, I love Chicago. Yeah. I have a f- community here, family here. I was on, an ensemble member of Stage Left Theater at the time. But it was very much like, but I don't, if I want to do TV film, there at, the, at that time, there was nothing else shooting there. So it was like, there was nothing else for me to do. So it was sort of like, a, well, that that was a terrible two months, but... I'm just going to go and really give it a shot because I figured I can't judge something with two months. I have to go there for at least a year or two. Absolutely. Um, so it was very much like, uh, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to, cause I think that's what I have to do. Yeah. So is it kind of in your heart where, and there are, there are tons of Chicago actors who are like, this is my market. This is my home. And I, I this is me. And then there are people who say this was me for a little bit of, of time and I have this other chapter and I don't know why I'm leaving this place that I know and love so well, but I feel like I have to. And whether it's New York or LA, people do. And whether it's a good move or not, it's still something that was like kind of in your heart. And you're like, I don't know why I'm I'm doing this, but I feel like I should. Yeah, I think and also I think I th- I think there was I I didn't think there was a way I could get much further in Chicago. Right. Um because I remember when I was doing the school at Steppenwolf in 2011, um, I'd wanted to do TV film, wasn't going out for it. And I remember asking one of the teachers, it was like, what do you think I need to do to be able to break into TV film? And uh, his advice, which I think is very good advice for a lot of people, but I knew it wasn't the one for me. Mm. So his advice was like, you know, do do shows at these big places and then you'll get noticed. And I was like... I don't think that's going to work for me. Like, I don't think I'm, if I wait around to get cast in a Goodman show or a Looking Glass show, I will have to be waiting for, I don't know how long. Um, And, you know, and I, and I'd got, I'd gotten called into Goodman maybe once or Steppenwolf maybe twice. And I think after school at Steppenwolf, I got maybe got in their roster a little bit just because at that point, then the casting director knew me, but it never felt like that was my track. And Chicago felt very much like a, 
the you know you have to be big in their theater to get noticed there and i felt like i was doing great at the black box theaters but i wasn't doing shows at goodman and looking glass and um steppenwolf so if that was my only way to get like fully bloom i didn't think i didn't mm. think chicago was possible so yeah i think it was that i think i recognized that and then and then the hope that you know and 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 also the fact that it's like well I was able, you know, and, and I think I did get some confidence from having done those handful of TV spots. And I was like, well, maybe TV sees something in me that Goodman and Steppenwolf and all those places don't. Um, and so maybe that's what I should pursue. And little um, did you know, we were on the summit of this entire transformation of of the very thing that you were kind of kind of walking away from. And that is this equity amongst every single person um, in the business and having the opportunity to get to work no matter who you are, or especially because you are who you are, you know, and, and right. it's interesting that we talk about this only in the last like eight, 10 years. I mean, the, the shift happened yesterday and right. we're looking forward to years and years of this inclusivity, but you know, people who are in your shoes, except now, might not have to um maybe their path is just completely different yeah, but you were exactly. in your, you were there at that time and your path was i'm heading out because the world hasn't caught up yet yeah yeah <laughs> and, it just so, it, yeah, yeah exactly it just felt you know and the, and i was getting cast in things you know again but it was black box theater that was casting right. me things that right. were didn't have to be you know and it was just kind of like i love this i'm learning so much i'm growing so much but if i want to take it to the next whatever. So yeah. Mm. So I think that was, it was both of those things. I, I think I was able to get the confidence to move because of my, my, my like two, three credits and then kind of knowing, seeing what I saw, I was like, and I think this is where I have to be to yeah. maybe use that to then get to other things. Okay. And now, um, now you're in the big leagues. No, I mean, I mean, at this point in your <laughs> oh, yes. story, you're, yes. you're, this is okay. I'm in LA. Oh, yes. Yes. Okay, I'm in my car. Okay, I am burning up in my car. Um, yes, you know, I, I'm sure that uh, when things began, it was a it was a little slow. Or 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 did you have the same luck in nine months? No, as you did I in think Chicago? Um, so. Another thing that really helped was uh, my one of my agents who was with Gray at the time ended up moving over to a management company uh, that summer when I was back in Chicago. Um, um, and so when she moved over to the management company, she was like, I want you to join me as one of my clients. And this management company, Artists First, who I'm still with, they have LA office and New York office. So when I got to LA this time, there was a big difference because when I came in January, um, I only had the agency. I didn't have anybody with an LA address or who knew LA people. So it was impossible for me to get into the room. But this time when I landed in August 2013 back in LA, I was able to get into rooms right away because I had an LA manager. So yeah. that made a big difference because before I was just not in the rooms at all. I was maybe doing self-tapes, but I mean, I would do a self-tape and two hours later, there'd be deadline announcement for that role. I'm like, I don't even know. I don't think they saw my tape. <laughs> I, nope, They that was a waste of $100 that I hired to coach and tape right. and everything. So that was happening. So um, 
So I was able to get into the room, but you know, it was, you know, I learned quickly about the BS world of Mm. Hollywood. You know, they're like, oh, we love you for this. Oh my gosh. Oh, we we need you. And then it's like, I think they were just using me as like a negotiating, like all these things. I learned pretty pretty quickly of like, oh, we need you here. Uh, No, well, it was, and you know, like, Mm. oh, you have to fly out for this. They have, you have to be in the room. And there was like a lot of little things that happened in like the first six months of LA that was like, oh my God, this this is a different world than Chicago. Like it felt, there was a lot of, Chicago always felt like just like a little bit more real, like people would be real with you, where LA felt like there was a lot of like, we will tell you everything you want to hear and don't BS believe yeah, any baby. of it. Right. So I learned quickly to be like, don't trust anything. Just don't, just don't. You, you, you tell me all these things, but I won't believe it until... I'm in the scene and you yell action and I'm and even then I won't believe and it. And that until, check clears. Even when it clears, I'll just, still not. <laughs> I still I was like, until I see it on TV and I'm like, okay, that happened. That 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 right. that happened. So it Ugh. it did make me like cynical pretty fast. Like I was like, I don't trust any of you. Um right. but um but yeah, I got I got like a little co-star. Uh, like a few months after getting here, and that was really great. It, again, it just made me feel like, okay, cool. And then, and then I ended up doing a play, and it's like the only play I've done in LA. But it was six months after I got here, and it felt really good to do a play because I was like, oh, I think I know what I'm doing again. Like, because the on-camera role still felt very new and everything so it was yeah where nice were to- you with the whole like can i hold my own what was your confidence like as you were in la you had you had episodes you had this reel but you're and maybe you're about ready to be going out for a lot of stuff were you there knowing that you're good or were you just kind of like fake until you make it kind of thing i th- i think it was a mix of the two what was good was right before i went out to la i was doing a lot of tapes at gray talent so like that summer, like when I came back to Chicago in March of 2013, up until August of 2013, I was auditioning a lot, just putting myself on tape a lot at at the gray office. Um, and that helped a lot, just kind of knowing what to do with my hands. And so like, right. so like those few months I was auditioning a ton, but it was in the safety of my agent's office. I wasn't going into a casting director's yeah. office. I didn't, I could mess up and do a few takes. So yeah, you could, the, you could strike, strike out and have no repercussions. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. So, but yeah, but like those few months of just auditioning in the gray office really helped me like get used to like that turnaround time of like, oh, you have an audition and it's tomorrow. Great. I'll do the yeah. sides. And, and so that really, so when I got to LA, there was a bit of like, I've been doing this all summer. The only difference now is it's in a casting director's office versus my agent's room. So, um, but you know, but the first several ones I was like, do I hold a page? Do I not? I'm, I'm pretty confident. I'm, I'm memorized, but man, I don't, I don't want to forget. And then, and then what do I do? What if I forget? Then, then do I stop the scene? Like all those things I didn't have to worry about. Like I kind of knew what to do, but there was a whole host of things that I was like, I don't, I don't, uh, we'll see. Um, but I was going in for things that I'd never gone in for when I was in Chicago just just within like the first month, like I was just going in for like bigger things. Uh, I was still going in for co-stars, but I was also going in for guest stars. And I was like, oh, oh. And I feel like, again, at that time in Chicago, it was all just co-stars. It was all like one or two lines, which was great. But I was kind of like, but I wanted 
I want to go out for more. And it just felt right. like I was going out for more. So even though I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't booking anything, I was going out and and so immediately I was like, this is where I need to be. I don't know how Which long this is going to take. can be half the battle. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, exactly. Getting just kind stuck of like, in like a co-star world and it's like, okay, we need to have the discussion. Um, you know, let's yeah. do guest star series regular, make that graduation. Exactly. Um, and it's like, you know, and not like I had, I hadn't, you know, it was kind of like, I just want to be a scene for those. It's like, it's not like I'm only yeah. going to go out for guest stars. Series yeah. I'll keep going out for the co-stars. But I also want to go out for the guest stars and series regular. So options and yeah, options. And so immediately that was already happening in LA. And that was, and that, that's when I was like, okay, this is where I need to be. So it was pretty quick. And I think uh, having, having like that LA address on my resume really helped. And then the only thing the act, the casting directors cared about was my Chicago fire. Like, I mean, like they would, they would scan my entire resume of all this training and theater and all this stuff. It's like, oh, recording on Chicago Fire. What did you do? West Side Story. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, Godspell. Chicago Fire. <laughs> yeah, <Godspell>. exactly. <laughs> so, Isn't that so funny? Like this industry is such a world of gatekeepers and it's like nobody wants to say yes to you until somebody says yes to you. Exactly. And you get that first TV gig and then everyone goes, oh, you've been on TV. And it's oh, certain, now it, we trust and you. And like, it, it kind of invites you into the room a little more because they know somebody else has called trusted you. Trusted you. And yeah. You got, exactly. Yeah. And they, you know what the fuck a TV set is like, you know, right. because they don't want to be the like the, you know, okay, we cast her. Is she going to know what to do? You know, and it's like, yeah. Okay. Somebody has said yes to her. Yeah. She's had the experience. We can invite you to the table a little bit more. And exactly. so now, you eventually get a series regular on the fix. Yes. Well, the champions came before that. So champions was first. Yeah, champions was before yeah. that. And before that, I had I'd done three pilots that just didn't go into series, but I I'd done series regulars for three pilots before, but champions was the first one that went to series. Um, and then I did the fix that went to series. Um, so yeah, so it was, and that one was, you know, it was um that was several. So I, so Champions was 2017, Fix was 2018. So I'd been in LA for a few years at that point. I'd done yeah. some good recurrings. Um, Which is that, planting the seeds around town. Yeah, you know? like, exactly. It's okay. You know, for so many people, that's a part of the process is yeah. you have a few right. years where you do this and that and casting offices really are trusting you and you know you're just sort of laying the groundwork for what's going to happen to you later yeah. and then you kind of go up the rungs of that ladder i mean and the fix too it was the same casting directors as the pilot i had done in 2016 which was mars mm. project and so and they brought me in the role was actually written for an east asian woman and i was like one of the last people to audition and I was the only South Asian woman in the room, but I think they brought me in and it was like, oh, and what about this? You know, what about looking at her? And again, casting directors, I love them. Like, you know, they didn't have to bring me in, you know, cause I, it, that's, I, I wasn't who, you know, the character was Lonnie Cho uh, and they changed it to Lonnie Kampoor after they cast me. But like, you know, they liked me. They had casted me in a pilot that didn't get picked up two years before and 
um, yeah, so absolutely like the little seeds that get, you know, so. And I'm uh, sure after you lost that, that pilot, you were like so sad and heartbroken, but yet <laughs> in a few years, the person who is involved with this pilot is, is creating something else and they're bringing yeah. you back. So that's just exactly. a great example of like, okay, rolling with the punches and understanding the like. It all comes back around or it doesn't. You don't know what's right. going to happen in the future. And this yeah. thing that looks like it's it's not a good thing might lead to something. It's yeah. just another great example that we don't need to freak out every time we lose something. Yeah. And it's like, and when I, you know, when that show in 2016 didn't go, I ended up getting a recurring on The Exorcist. And that is by far like one of my favorite shows that I've ever done. It was wow. like the most wonderful experience ever. And it brought me back to Chicago. So I got to spend a fall hanging out with friends on the weekends and shooting a show during the week. Like it was literally my best experience. And it was after shooting a pilot that we all loved and that we were all so heartbroken that it didn't get picked up. So, and it, and it's hard to see that when you're in it, unfortunately, like hindsight yeah. is, you know, it's yeah. like, Oh, then it all worked out. But at the time it's very much like, but what else could nothing else could be as good as this is what it feels like. But um, yeah, exactly. Hmm. Malzum, oh my God. <laughs> what, I have talked way too much, but what an not, a, not at all. <laughs> Such an incredible story. Um, do you have any advice for younger actors or people in college who, you know, are about to leave the institution that they're in and go out into the world and be actors or for people who are in other professions who are like, you know, I have always liked the arts, you know, people who are wanting to get started. Do you have anything um, advice I, for them? I think, you know, having like a good financial solid understanding. I don't think I, I didn't appreciate it until I've talked to other actors and whatever who maybe didn't have that. Uh, but I think a lot, I, I think in general people are just savvier now. So maybe that's not really the case, but I think definitely understanding like, what the real world, like the business of acting is, is so different from yeah. um, the artistic beauty of it. Because, I mean, I was able to really just enjoy the, you know, having my mind blown, having these amazing artistic experiences because I had worked for six years and gotten all the money stuff squared away. But like, if you're trying to do both at the same time, that's so hard. So kind of understanding like, you know, the business aspect of like, yep, you need an agent. Or even if you don't, you need some way to like be able to pay for all these things. And yeah. And, and some places also, I also, I mean, I'm glad I came to LA when I did. I can't imagine coming to LA as like a 21 year old. I don't know if my self-esteem could have handled that. Hmm. Um, so I guess I'm a believer in like, I don't know, maybe starting in a market. I mean, and it really all depends on the person you are, but like, like I really loved being able to learn the craft and everything in Chicago before I totally. jumped into a bigger market. It helped for me. I think some other folks might be better able to jump into the big waters, but I just know, I don't think emotionally I could have handled LA if I was like just younger and just more impressionable like yeah. the, cause there is a lot of, I, I listened to your guys great episode on rejection last mm. week. That was wonderful, but there is all that, like it's hard and it takes, it takes time to learn how to deal with that. So I think having, being able to be in a 
a world where you have a little bit more community and stuff like Chicago, I found really good. It was good for the soul to have that. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, I think this business does require one to have at least, I think it can grow bigger and smaller over time, but there has to be that little kernel of like, I can do this. And you kind of have to keep it, keep it going. Um, cause there were definitely moments, plenty of moments like pandemic was hard. You know, I would, I mean, industry wasn't working, doing a lot of self tapes, not hearing anything. I'm very much an actor who likes to be in the room uh, just because I just like having that like two minute conversation and just, you know, I'm just, maybe I'm just needy, but like a good job is all I need. Just a little, Oh, thanks for coming in. Great. Great. Thank you. And like, and that will sustain <laughs> yeah. me until whatever. So not getting that for like months and months at a time and not hearing anything from self tapes really put me down into a spiral. And mm. I just had to be like, you got this. There, there's something there. There's you. You just, just you, you can do it. Like proven it's, yourself time and time again. It's like yeah. people are yet, yet will still always say I'm Exa- a fucking hack. Yes, exactly. Like there were so many moments where I was like, you know, my husband is doing the self tapes with me. He is not an actor, so I've spent uh, like you know co- entire quarantine same. acting with him, and it's just like, what what am I even doing? I haven't acted with an actor in like 15 months and I- Mind you, I the world is literally on fire and there's a global right. pandemic. Yeah. And you're like, I just wanna be in the room. Yeah, exactly, yeah, that's exactly, yeah. So like, see how, you know, and then, yeah, exactly. And also, and also freaking out about the pandemic, but then also being like, but I wanna work, you know? So it's yeah. just like, I need to get my priorities straight, but also I'm, you know, I'm an actor and I just feel like, I just wanna, but, but. So I think they, I think you really, as an actor, really have to have just that little itty bit of faith in yourself mm. because you just can't rely on anybody else for it. Like you really, because you can't, yep. you can't, you can't always get it from the outside. Sometimes you do. And sometimes you don't. Especially and I, when you're starting out. Yeah, exactly. Like you just got to have something and you, and, and I think you have to like develop it on your own. Like you have to, and you have to be honest with yourself. Like, do you really feel like this is what you want to do? And if it is, then you have to you have to be the one that believes in yourself first. And it's so hard. And I've had plenty of plenty of moments of self-doubt. But I think that's what I was coming back to during quarantine. Like after like not hearing anything on anything for months and months at a time and being like, I don't what what am I because I was like, is anybody even watching this? Like, what am I? It just—it was just like this, this spiral of self-doubt that's so easy for all us actors to get into. And it was like, and, and, the, and it is, it is us, like all of us have yes. it. But I think the difference between an actor who's killing it uh, or has had success and an actor who kind of stepped back and said, uh, is our continuation in spite of the self-doubt yes. and in spite of the fear when other when the alternative they think oh self doubt oh fear well i guess this isn't for me see you later for us it's like oh no that's just a tuesday morning yes <laughs> and and i don't care like i'm going to get hit hard today and then i'll get hit hard tomorrow who knows but i love what i do and i don't i'm not going to back away just by some little thing like fear or self doubt so i i think it tends to um to build you this business and if it's done right you know 
like with your little nugget of self-sustaining yeah. whatever you have in there, if mm. done right, you can come out clean by an incredible character, oh, a fucking badass work ethic, uh, determination amidst constant self-doubt and fear and rejection and defeat and all that stuff. But you walk out as the strong, strong person who literally beat the odds. Let's face it. I mean, <laughs> you could you could buy a lottery ticket and have a better chance of winning something than than having a successful career. I mean, you right. know, it's really Absolutely. hard, but there are elements that you can employ. And it sounds like you've got them all. And congrats. Just congratulations on everything. And I love here's what I here's what I love the most. I love that there's two versions of Mousen. There's <laughs> there's the financial world where she could have worked all of her life and and had this, you know, this alternative life and and the the Mousen who went with her gut and like experienced a completely different world and a completely different life that was more in line with who she was as a person and just how how awful that would have been if you went the other way and how great it is that you just had no fear or didn't give a shit about it. And just listen to your heart. So way to go. And I can't Thank wait to you. see what more you're going to bring. If if this success is um, coming to you, at, you know, so early on in life, there's just so much to look forward to. So, um, and Malzum, you know, we, congratulations. You have something in the pipeline, right? Yes. So I, um, I, I filmed a pilot called Naomi uh, with Ava DuVernay and it got picked up to series so very 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 excited Uh, for that so yeah so hopefully we'll have so we're gonna be a mid-season show but i don't have any other details as like when we'll start filming or anything but i'm super excited about it the character is fantastic thank you um so awesome it's um yeah it's really i'm so grateful for it and it's a lovely group of people um and Ava's just so lovely and I feel very very grateful to be just even in her like in her world um because I've just noticed even just my like you know just a couple of weeks of uh being out there uh we shot in Atlanta and just you can just see how everybody loves her and respects her and everybody just felt there was just a really wonderful feeling of community among everybody. So I am very excited to hopefully be a part of that. So well, congratulations. It's Thank such you. A, it's going to be a freaking incredible opportunity for you. Thank you. We're I'm, so excited, excited for you. Thanks. Guys. And uh, Mausam, where can people find you online? I am on Mausam Makar on Instagram and Twitter, but I mostly use Instagram. Twitter is rarely. So Instagram okay. is where to find me. Sweet. Well, Malzum, this was so wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thank you so much, guys. This was really, really lovely. Uh, and thank you for doing this. It's been I've been listening to your episodes, and it's lovely to kind of hear all this honest talk about Well, thank acting. you. Thank so. you. Thanks for stopping by. Come back and see us, will you? Yeah. Bye, guys. See you later. Bye. Oh, my gosh. What, what a story. Story. Yeah, her life is nuts. It's such an incredible turnaround and like just such yeah. a two very different lanes to take right. in life. And then like wh- to take that um uh take that fire and that gut instinct and then have it pay off 
in such spades. You know what I mean? Like, it's not as though, you know, okay, I'm going to do this. And then, well, fuck, you know, nothing's ha- it's right. Like, it's it sounds so like her, successful. It's her, incredible. her, her destiny was just like waiting for her just to make that decision. And then boom, finally we can go. Finally things can happen. You know, it was like, yeah. it doesn't happen that, that quickly. And that, um, with such a profound <laughs> effect, I guess so instantly. And, and maybe it wasn't instantly. It took a long time for her, but at the same time, you know, it is interesting once we abandon what we're not supposed to, this path that we were on, once we get onto this other path that we feel we're supposed to be on, things get a little easier. And I think ultimately she was just happier, you know, and yeah. it just goes to show it doesn't matter what you do, the money, like whatever. It's about you being happy and doing what you love. And she is a perfect example of if you love what you do, if you like something, you need to pursue it. And she pursued yeah, she it even, even before. Yeah. It's even before anything was like, was going, going our way with like equity and like, you know, people of color getting roles and stuff. This was well before that. So she did risk like still that little part where like, Oh, no, no, I'm only brought in when they start writing, when I have an episode writing for my part, I can't imagine how, you know, how daunting that is, but she did it. She did it in spite of it. Um, Thank God, man. And thank God she went to like Harvard, that friend who took, who told her to just all those things that just happened that she just kind of listened and knew that like there was a reason she was feeling this, you know? Yeah, so lovely. Such an incredible, incredible story. Yeah. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for listening. Um, we uh, would love for you to, um, to subscribe, leave a review. Um, let us know you're listening. Um, you can find out more about book it. And before the break at bookitacting.com. you can follow us on Instagram at before the break pod. And, book at underscore nyc check out adam stuff at adam and on instagram at that adam DeCarlo. i can be found at tommybeardmore.com you can follow me on tom at tommy beyond and don't forget forget to don't forget to hit subscribe leave a rating and write a review if you like what you hear it's been a long fucking day i know we're done now we did two today we're good yep. <laughs> adios right. Um, Thank you, everybody, for coming to another episode of Before the Break. We will see you next week. Bye. You've been listening to Before the Break. The hosts are Tommy Beardmore and Adam DiCarlo. Cover art by Amanda June Boucher. Music by Benjamin Sterley. Before the Break is recorded live from Los Angeles and New York City.